The living room. It's a place you can get comfortable, kick up your feet, and be yourself. Couches and conversation. We're just people living life, but not just any life. The life Jesus invites us to live with Him. We're learning together, having fun, and sharing experiences. And that happens right here in the living room. Well, welcome to the living room. My name's Gunner. I'm the pastor of the Dwelling Church here in Savannah, Georgia. And uh, man, the living room is just about having real life conversations and uh, just talking about what the Lord's doing in our lives. And it's going to feature people from our Dwelling Church family as well as friends of our house. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. And I got a really cool guy in the living room with me today, Mr. Alex Prather. (laughs) And uh, he and his wife, Ashley, head up our groups at the dwelling, do an amazing job. He's got a heart for people. He's got a heart for God. And just to see people step into the more of God and um, his destiny for their lives. And so, yeah, I'm glad you're here. Dude, I'm I'm pumped. This is (laughs) going to be fun. It's kind of surreal. So we're talking about... Prayer. So we're in yeah. a we're in a current season where we're uh, readjusting things, we're realigning things, and we feel like one mm-hmm. of the first steps is is just to rethink prayer. And so we're in a current sermon message series. I don't like to call them sermons, messages, message series about prayer, and it's it's called rethinking prayer. And so just the conversation today we want to have around that whole theme of prayer and so just right out of the gate the purpose of prayer you know because I think sometimes we look at prayer as a practice or a duty or a religious exercise but there's actually a there's actually a purpose behind prayer and what do you think that is man I think you kind of hit on it Sunday um Jesus talking about don't be like the Pharisees that are out in public praying um, kind of for good looks, I guess, and um, going into your closet. Um, it's about an intimate relationship, you know, with the Father. And I think that because um, ultimately that's what Jesus paid the price for. I mean, he wasn't crucified, yeah. so we won't go to hell. Right. He was crucified so that we can be reunited with our Father. And, and I think the bigger part of that is that the Father, he wants to do his will through us. He wants to partner mm-hmm. with us. Um, so yeah, it's knowing him, knowing his voice, but also knowing what he wants to do through us. Right. So in two words, that I, th- I hear connection. Yeah. And I hear like intercession, which is like yeah. a it's a it's like a big big Bible word. But and I do want to talk about that later, probably in the next podcast. We'll talk about that. But I really want to hone in on like the connection piece of like our relationship with God and what how that affects how we view prayer. Because like Sunday, I think I said in the message that how we see God affects how we approach prayer. And so even in our language at the dwelling, we say we exist to create spaces for people to encounter God, discover their identity, fulfill their purpose. We're actually in the process of like refining some of our language to actually express what we what we know, or, or, or maybe to express it in a better way, like like this, we enc- we create spaces for people to encounter God as Father. 
Yeah. Because that, That's good. like that adds a whole new meaning to encountering God. And when you approach prayer, looking at him as a father, it, it, it changes everything. Um, and so I think about um, John 14, 9. I got it right here. Jesus said to him, talking about one of the disciples. I can't remember. Maybe it was Philip. He said, <laughs> he said, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So Philip says, like, you talk about the Father all the time. Show us who he is. And he's like, it's like, if you've, if you've been hanging out with me, then yeah. you know the Father. And so I, I think sometimes, like, the reason I have gotten hung up on prayer, the reason a lot of people get hung up in this prayer peace and it it becomes more of a religious exercise than relational is because of our view of just father what what do you think it means or what what kind of impact on us does it have to just see him that way um i think the first time that i realized that jesus was the complete and perfect imprint nature of the father i was like taken aback because i feel like for much of my life especially as a child I, I had the fear of God in me, and when I'm talking about the fear of God, like I was fearful of the Father. I thought yeah. He was just wrathful and sort of a distant galaxy far, far away, like yeah, kind of thing. And um, yeah, I mean, if you look at Jesus, He was He was pure love, right? Um, and when I think about what a father is, like, man, I love my son so much. And even when he acts terribly, like, it doesn't matter. Like, I, I love him even more. Um, yeah, man, I think that seeing him as a father, it's seeing him as somebody who actually cares about you, who wants to know you, um, who wants to teach you, um, who wants to be a part of every portion of your life. Yeah. And he really cares about you. Colossians 1 15 he talking about jesus is the image of the invisible god the firstborn of all creation so it's like just like he told philip if you've seen me you've seen the father colossians one says he's he's the exact representation i think is another translation of that yeah and it's it's easy for us to see jesus and maybe talk to jesus but uh, oh this funny story one time i was i was sitting in my office at, at a church that I, I served at and a guy walked in and he said, God, I need to talk to you about something. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't know what to expect here. And he says, um, when you pray, you pray, you, you call God, God. And Jesus told us to call him father. And I was just yeah. like, okay. <laughs> and I think I was like, all right. I, and the guy was probably being more nitpicky than anything, and I and that's the first response I had is like, oh, yeah. okay, well, I mean, he is my father. It doesn't really matter what I call him. But you know, the more I thought of that, it revealed something to me about me, and that I didn't see him as clearly as he wanted to be seen, like yeah. as as a father. And it, it's actually a a long journey in my life to take me from seeing God, like you said, is like this distant, um, unapproachable version of Zeus or something, you know, like mm-hmm. you see 
in yeah. in art and stuff in to actually somebody who is near to me and I could and actually likes me. Yeah. Like that's the big that's the big thing. I think we can use we can throw around the the love word a lot. Yes, right. God loves God is love. God so <laughs> loved the world. But when it comes down to like no, he actually he actually likes to hang out with me. He yeah. likes to be with me. Yeah. And it just makes all the difference in the world. Um there are obviously two sides to a to the coin. There's a both and there's a mm. um there's a tension that we live in. And one of the things that we um mentioned on Sunday in the message was that uh we have to live in the tension of him being a father but also king. So he's a yeah. he's a friend but he's also master. So he's holy man. Yeah, and ho- so the Lord's Prayer starts off, Jesus says, Our Father who art in heaven, yeah. hallowed be thy name. So our Father, yeah. who art in heaven, and then hallowed be your name. He's holy, he's separate, he's different, he's He's set apart. There's like, we're not in the same camp. <laughs> like, uh, in, in holiness, you know. And so, how do you live in that tension? What is that? What does that look like? I had, I'll just say this. One of the parents after, uh, after the message, one of the parents texted me and said, "Hey, my teenage, my teenager's asking me why can't I be Jesus's homeboy? Because I said in the message, Jesus is not your homeboy." <laughs> and what I meant was I was trying to tilt it to the other side of like he's not just a, he's not just our best bud. He's yeah. actually king of the universe, right? And there is this respect and honor that that is required just because of who he is so what do you what do you think it looks like to be um you know jesus not jesus's homeboy but the other side of the to- what does that balance look like is what i'm trying to say man i think that this is this is so random i promise i'm not getting off on a tangent but the other night i was kind of just praying about prayer what does prayer look like what does that a prayer culture look like in our church and for whatever reason, the Lord had me Google throne room worship. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's really random. But um, I started reading Revelation, and it's, it's in Revelation 5, where it's, it's talking about um, the angels and um, elders and all the beasts and all the weird things in Revelation. Yeah. <laughs> Lots <laughs> um, of eyes. And they're just constantly, 24-7, singing, holy, holy, holy is mm-hmm. the Lord Almighty. And I think that... Um, I think the tension is when you approach him, it's got to be, okay, if you're approaching a king and you know that that king loves you and likes you, you're not going to be like, what's up, God? Like, how you doing, bro? It's going to be like, Lord, you're so good and you're so worthy. Mm -hmm. And Lord, you are just worthy of all my praise and I love you so much and I'm just so thankful that I can come to you. Mm -hmm. And then you can come to him with like your prayers and your supplications. Right. See, I think it's just that balance of approaching him with his worth and his holiness and mm-hmm. proclaiming that um, like they do in the throne room in heaven, but then also knowing that he is your father and he cares about all of your needs. Right. So it's not necessarily easy, mm-hmm. you know, because we don't, live in a, we don't live in that sort of kingdom, modern, that kingdom society in our modern times. Right. But um, yeah, he's a king. So it's reverence, it's respect. It's awe, but it's also friendship. So where does 
The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. So how do we how do we live in that tension of He is my Father who is tender and He's loving and He's a protector and a provider and all the things <clears throat> a Father should be. He's the perfect Father. So what does the fear of the Lord look like? Because that's something that I, I struggle with for a long time. I think a lot of people do. It's like, okay, yeah, you're saying He's Father and He's tender and He's loving and all this kind of stuff, but what is it? why should I fear? What is, the, what is this whole fear of the Lord? I mean... Gosh, I mean, we would melt in his presence. Like, he's all-powerful. Like, he's, he is something to be feared. So, this afternoon, I had to discipline my youngest daughter because she um, got out of character. <laughs> I had to tell her, this is not who you are. You know, you're not, you're not ugly to your family and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, so, I was kind of, I had to be harsh. I had to be not harsh, like abusive harsh, but in the, my tone of voice I had to change. I had to take her in another room by herself. I wanted to know that this was serious. And so immediately her, her whole demeanor changes and she's like, not scared of me like I want to run. But when we, got talk, when we got through talking, she actually crawls up in my lap. Yeah, and like she's crying and she feels bad for how how she acted. There's a fear, and I don't. I've heard this somewhere. I don't know who. I don't know who originally said this, but there's a fear that actually draws us to the Lord, versus a fear that pushes us away from Him. So I think sometimes, like even in prayer, we can use prayer as a way to stay away from Him. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like we can put on this religious spirit we can put on this religious air about us and use a different tone of voice and use you know grandiose language that you know it's like we become a different person you know what i'm talking about yeah. <laughs> like when you get around you get around the, the thanksgiving table or something and everybody's just you know being themselves and then all of a sudden dear gracious lord heavenly <laughs> father you know it's like it's what just happened you know right i think we can actually do that and I think the reason we do that sometimes is because even in our personal prayer time, I have, I've, I've come before him and like tried to put on this spiritual air that like I'm somebody I'm not. And it's almost like I have to impress you with my, with my willingness to bow, be, bow at your feet. Like it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy, because it's it's like we don't, I just don't see him as a father and if i knew who he was i wouldn't have to put on a mask to yeah. come into presence because i'm already accepted like i'm not trying to earn his acceptance i was actually accepted before i ever wanted to receive his grace at all and so i don't know just thoughts about it's really an identity thing yeah yeah, I mean, yeah, it's that sonship thing, that daughtership thing. Yeah. Um, I think before I really had a relationship with Jesus, it was that the fear of God was in me, but it was like, I'm actually afraid of you kind of thing, and you right. probably hate me, and I'm not worthy to really even come into your presence. And that's going to push you away. Like, yeah. you'll never... Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't know that he liked me. I really yeah. didn't. Yeah. Um, 
So how did you find that out? Like how what what was the yeah. like what was that process like? That's a good question. To be honest, I I think that obviously it's a, it's an intricate thing, but when I went to college, I think that I was around people who were focused on his presence for the first time. And I I feel like I when I went to college, I joined this college ministry and they were so focused on real worship in the spirit and prayer and 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 manifesting his presence yeah. that I I recognize that the love that I feel when I'm worshiping him like that's that's the way that God feels about me yeah um, yeah I think it was knowing his presence and experiencing it but for the first time where I realized that you know he loved me and he wanted to know me so okay so the whole the whole thing keeps coming back to encounter. Yeah. I mean, we say this stuff all the time. Encounter identity purpose. Like there it's one thing to read about him as a good father and all of this. It's another thing to hear other people's stories about a good father. Yeah. But until you experience it, cuz that's what I'm hearing you saying is like it was in his presence that you realized. Yeah that the connection was made like it's almost like the you got to connect the dots between what you think you know about him and like who he actually is um i'm trying to think when the moment was for me there was there have been so many like like you said there was it's like a journey there have been so many moments of just encounters with him that changed the way i i knew him um i think one of the big ones was when I was in college too. Uh, something, something about college. If people are listening, they're sure. in college right now. Like there is a open window right now for the, what the Lord wants to do in your life. Absolutely. It just seems like that season of life is so important and strategic. But um, yeah. but I was in college and I was re- really at a low point. Like I wasn't walking with God. Yeah, no, me either. Like <laughs> at all. I wasn't like a part. I wasn't like a party animal or anything. I just knew I wasn't walking um, with him. And so I'm at a low point in my life, and I just need to get away from everybody. That's that's kind of what I do when I feel discouraged. I just isolate. (laughs) But I go up to the second floor of our library on campus, and I take my Bible, and I pull my Bible out, and I'm reading in Isaiah for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why in the world I turned. It's kind of like the middle of the book. Maybe I just, <laughs> I needed anything. So I just opened the Bible. Start in the middle. And, um, and I, I started reading and just beating myself up of like, and, and you know, Isaiah and a lot of the prophets of the Old Testament year, like, woe, woe to you. Yeah, so and bad. so, and I was, yeah, I was, I was like looking for a scripture to like beat myself up about. <laughs> and I turned to, I got to, uh, Isaiah 61 and he starts talking about um, like his purpose for me and I guess the first time in my life I I saw myself not as someone that God was just so disgusted with yeah. I was disgusted with myself oh yeah mm-hmm. but I think I saw it for the first time that he, that's not actually how he sees me he actually is overflowing with love and affection toward me and he showed me through his word it wasn't a 
it wasn't a dramatic encounter. It was literally a, re- a revealing of His Word. And He says this in um, Isaiah 61. He said, I'm going to grant those who mourn um, and give them, a, give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint heart, that they might be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. And verse 4 says, They shall build up the ancient ruins. They'll raise up the former devastations. They'll repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Talking about restoring homes and restoring the foundations. And I just thought, I don't know how to explain it. It's like I didn't hear an audible voice. I just knew. Now, I know he's talking to Israel in this Isaiah chapter. But I knew that that is how he saw my life. And it the and it's not something I worked up to or worked my way into. It was like I was literally at the most broken place when his Holy Spirit just came th- came mm-hmm. into that library, made those words jump off the page and into my heart. Like that is yeah. how I see you. Like you're not gonna stay where you are. You don't have to stay where you are. And literally, like when I get to those points in my life where I'm like, I'm just a mess right now. I go back to those times when at my lowest, God actually surprised me and actually spoke hope over me rather than what I thought I needed was like judgment and condemnation, you know. Um, And for Him to tell me how mad He was, but instead He's like, I got a purpose for you. And this is who you actually are. It's huge. And he pursued you too. I mean, he found you, because it's not like at that place in your right. life you were no. like, you know, on your way to him. No, and I that's mean, I was, so incredible about it. Yeah, and the same for me. Um, in a way, I was running. Yeah. Even get this, religious <laughs> religion, like religious spirit, doesn't mind for you to have your Bible open. Right. Like I was running from God. I was looking for something. In like for him to say to beat me up in the word, and instead yeah. he he went the opposite direction. Like that's the difference in religion and this intimacy with him is friendship. It's yeah. like night and day. And that was a fatherhood thing because of course, I'm sure he didn't agree with choices you were making. No, yeah, it's not like he but glazes over. His it. focus wasn't on what you did wrong; it's who you are. Yeah, your identity as a son. And the fact that. And it's like we're all on this journey. I still struggle. I still find myself trying to earn his approval sometimes. Like, and I know what I know, (laughs) and I still do it. Yeah. But what what Jesus did on the cross, like, made it made me right with him. It the the right he became sin. I don't know the address for this in the Bible, but he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Like, He became sin for us. Right. And now there's no condemnation. Yeah, for those and it's like, a, it's like an exchange where He became the sin so that I could become righteousness. So I'm just as clean and pure yeah. as Jesus in the eyes That's of the right. Father. As That's the, the hardest thing to swallow. Yeah. yeah. As far as the east, from the east is from the west, that's how far your sins are removed from you. That's an endless distance, yeah. by the way. <laughs> that, that right there is 
that is the one thing that the enemy does not want you to grasp. He doesn't want you to figure out because once you believe in Jesus, all he has left to use against you is shame. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, you're right. And once you figure out that those uh, those those crimes are no longer written on your record, that that changes the game, and you don't have to you don't have to sit in your filth anymore because you realize that you are clean the whole time. So prodigal son. Yeah. <laughs> he he realized he was in sitting in the pig pen, and he's like, "What am I doing here?" Yeah. He comes home. He's on his way home. The father sees him, and he says, "Yeah, I knew you'd come. You sorry? You know? <laughs> <laughs> no. It's like the to- the total opposite reaction that any of us would have, like yeah. about ourselves. I wonder if there's somebody listening that feels like they're in that place right now of like, I, I, you know, I just kind of want to keep him at an arm's length. I just kind of want to keep that distance there. That's why my prayer life, you know, is kind of, it feels kind of dead, like it's not going anywhere because I just, yeah. it really is rooted in an identity issue. Is like, I don't know that he's okay with me. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he really likes me or or wants me to come home. But the truth is, he's waiting. Yeah. He is. And like if if you know, if that's you, just run to him. It's not a it's not a um a magic formula. It's not a it's not a, even a way that you have to earn your way back. You can't beat yourself enough uh, beat no. yourself up enough to get back to God. Like it's just turning to him. And he's there waiting. And actually not Every just time. waiting, but what does he do? You remember? Big hug, big embrace. He, ra- a feast. he ran. Right. He ran to meet him. Yeah. And then he threw, he a, threw him a feast. Yeah. Put a ring and a robe on him. Yeah. Like uh, extravagant grace. So, yeah. Man, he's just good. He's a good father. And that actually, like, when I remind myself of who, how good he is, prayer is no longer some kind of duty that I'm expected to do. It's actually just, I want to talk to somebody like that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that kind of, you couldn't, I mean, before I knew sort of the goodness of God and there was that, that father-son dynamic, you couldn't, you could have put a gun to my head and I wouldn't, I didn't want to crack my Bible open or, yeah. or talk to him. Yeah. But it was when I experienced the Holy Spirit and His presence and His goodness, that's what drove me into the Word yeah. and drove me to go to want to know Him more. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. if that's you, just run to Him, man. Yeah. Run to Him. Um, and this is coming from two guys who probably grew up in church. You grew up in church like the whole yeah. way through. Yeah. I went every time the doors were open. And I didn't know God liked me. No, I, I didn't like going to church very much sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I would leave church feeling worse than when I got there. But, yeah. And it's just a, I think it's a place that a lot of people are. Yeah. But I also think that if we ever get to that point where we start believing 
who he says we are and who he is we'll be like that isaiah 61 we're gonna we're gonna be able to be the ones who build up the ancient ruins raise up the former desolation prepare the ruined cities like the reason families are destroyed and all that kind of stuff is because of a lack of identity it's a lack of knowing who the father is and um it really does change everything knowing who you are in his eyes so yeah i'm just going to pray us out and uh father we just we just thank you for your mercy in our lives god your goodness we thank you that um when we were at our lowest like not just one time like over and over you just keep running to us and keep wooing us to you your holy spirit is just that that never that unrelenting voice in our lives that keep drawing us back to you and we're so very thankful lord we just pray that anybody listening right now that you would just right where they are whether they're driving in a car or um walking you know jogging or whatever they're doing lord i pray right now you just meet them and that they would encounter you in such a powerful way lord just pour out your love on their lives so that they they'd know you as father it's a privilege to know you it's a privilege to be in your kingdom we thank you that um, you're teaching us how to be sons and servants in jesus name amen amen Thank you for joining us in the living room. To find out more information about The Dwelling Church and how you can help support this ministry, visit thedwellingchurch.org.